Blog Talk Radio. Anyone charged with a criminal matter has the right to have their case heard before. A judge or judicial officer of the court is entitled to a fair and public hearing by a competent, independent and impartial court. Have strict court rules enforced such as the right of reply, rules of evidence, and be found innocent or guilty beyond reasonable doubt. Yet, our most vulnerable can have their rights, assets, and decision-making rights removed by a public servant of the state, not a judge, in a tribunal setting that can ignore evidence and facts and determine matters as they see fit and conclude matters based on probabilities alone. Are you scared yet? Tonight, I'm going solo, and at first I was a little nervous. I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go solo, but you know what I remembered? I remembered that I've been doing a podcast with the great, late Marty Oakley. We miss her so much, but we are carrying her torch, and I thought, you know what? I'm not going to fail. I got this because Marty trained me. I have been trained by the best. So I am so excited for everyone to join me on my first ever solo podcast. Marty and I used to always have a few topics that we had going just in case we couldn't find a guest for the week or we weren't sure if we're going to do a show until the last minute. So we thought, well, just the two of us can get on and talk about stuff. And so I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to have to do the same thing here so the show can go on. So days when I don't have something going on, I can have my different topics. I'm so excited about today's topic. Mighty Men Fall. I hope that today will be an encouragement as you hear this story. I also wanted to let people know to my haters, because guess what? Marty had haters, and so do I. I know you're all waiting and watching for me to fail, but I'm not actually here by myself, because Marty set me up with an inner circle of amazing people that are so supportive of me. They feel that I am doing a great job here. I am representing Marty. So all of you who think that maybe I'm not, I just want you to know that Marty's inner circle, who Marty put in charge to help me out, have been encouraging me, and I just want everyone to know how much I appreciate them. So I'm kind of stepping in Marty's shoes that in a little bit, getting some, getting some hate. So, but you know, that's okay. So We're going to talk about some history about Mighty Men following, and I hope that you will find this encouraging. I thought first we would go back in time to some history. And I'm just going to real quick go over some history so that we can get some examples, and then we're going to move to present day. It seems, it appears that tyranny has, uh, it's nothing new. Corruption and just basically people in power taking advantage of others it's been going on throughout history. And one example that I have, we're going to go back into the 1600s. And this would be, I'm going to set you up for coming into modern day. The guy's name was Oliver Cromwell. Now, he was a good guy, but he lived in the 1600s. And there is an HBO documentary on this man. 
And they are running it on YouTube. I looked it up. It's HBO YouTube, and the documentary is called The King Killer. So basically, during Oliver Cromwell's time, and he lived, you know, under English rule, British rule, they were, there was just tyranny with the government putting, you know, the taxation and just the unjust judges and just all the corruption that was, that they were doing to just the average person. And you can only take it so long. Rebellion does rise up. And so the reason I go back into the 1600s is it's going to make sense in a second. So the unlikely hero comes, and his name is Oliver Cromwell, and basically they start a revolution because they wanted to live free, kind of like what our Constitution, you know, what the thing, the freedoms that are in there. They believe they have the rights to those same freedoms. So that was during the time of Oliver Cromwell, they uh, actually took out the King of England. And there was five years that there was no king that was ruler in England because the people were fed up and they beheaded this king. It is an amazing documentary and I can't go into it all right now, but I'm going to set you up for the next king. So we got that going on in the 1600s, and we have that mindset going on where we should be free. We shouldn't have to put up with this crap from the government and things that they were doing. We get into the 1700s, and we have kings during the reign of King George III. Now, what was going on is at this point, we have people living over here in what is called the colonies of the United States. There's 13, and they had no representation, but they were being held to laws that the legislative people over there in England were putting upon them. And one of them was a lot of corruption. Just they weren't allowed to have jury trials. They had judges just basically running roughshod over the people. It wasn't just the taxation that had the people who lived in the United States colonies like really pissed off. Now, remember how they were feeling. Now, we just go back about 100 years, and you go into the mindset of Oliver Cromwell. So you see, freedom was brewing long before it happened. And so you all know how the story ends. We have the American Revolution, and basically we rebel against England and everything that they were doing. But I just think that people really need to research that it wasn't just about a Boston Tea Party and about being overtaxed because of tea. There was judicial corruption going on. There were lawmakers putting laws on the people that were unjust, and people really got mad. So when you think about freedom's ringings, remember, it was brewing 100 years before. And so I'm going to, like, flash forward now to today. And why I like to tell these stories about mighty men falling is because the stories that I'm going to talk to right now, these are big, big time, rich, filthy, rich, mighty men. And if they can fall, can't a little probate judge tyrant, he can fall too. And so when we talk about these stories, I just want you to be encouraged to realize that they're not going to be there forever. One of the stories that we can that we can all know about is we know about Jeffrey Epstein, basically a billionaire. He was the pimp to the rich and famous. And the fact that he was jailed and tried for the crimes, I mean, you would think this man was untouchable. 
the mighty, powerful people that he was hanging around with. And yet, you know the story. Now, some people think that he escaped. Some people think he committed suicide. Some people think Hillary did it. Some people think that um, the English royal crown did it because of the embarrassment, because of Prince Andrew. We don't know. But all I know is Jeffrey Epstein is not living on his island. All his dirty laundry has been aired for all of us to see. That is an example of a man falling. Another one that's fallen recently is that Alex Murdoch, he was this slimy lawyer down there in South Carolina. His family was just running the political atmosphere for about 100 years, and they had this big law firm. And he, he even, I went on the website before he was arrested, and they did do guardianship law at that law firm. So, of course, I figured, oh, I, I, smell, I smell a rat there. But anyway, I give Netflix a lot of credit. They did an amazing documentary before the man was even found guilty. They had the balls to do this documentary and reveal what kind of slime bag this attorney, Alex Murdoch, was. And to think that his day came, his day came, he fell, and the amount of money that he was worth and the power that he had and just all the connections that he had and that he couldn't escape justice, he fell. Alex Murdoch fell. So these are stories that you can Google. We have another one. This is going to be my favorite one that I really want to talk about a lot. His name is Bernie Madoff. And there's a Netflix documentary. It's about six hours long. And I couldn't stop watching it. And it goes with securities fraud. I don't know if people know. My father, before he retired, was um, the the head of the Securities Exchange Commission, the Midwest region, and before that he had been one of their top investigators. So growing up my whole life, I always heard about stock markets and uh, securities fraud. So this is just really fascinating to me. So hang tight while we talk about Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff got away with his crimes for about 40 years. The NASDAQ, which is you can Google that. It's like a big deal in like stock stuff. Basically, it's, you know, the NASDAQ and looking at shares and trading. And he's one of the founding members of that. This guy is a big, big deal. He was a billionaire. And he was just, boy, everyone kissing his butt wherever he went. He just had the night. He had homes all over the world, homes all over the world. He had all the right friends. He had all the right, you know, clothes and the cars, and he just knew all the people. And everyone thought he was just so wonderful. He just joined all the well country clubs. He was member of different country clubs around the around the country, and just, I mean, he lived like a king. And what I found interesting is that there was this woman, and she did an article, and it was a it was a not very flattering article about Bernie Madoff, but you see, it was poo-pooed. Does that sound familiar? Reporters writing articles about something that could be corrupt and just having the mainstream just blow it off? Yes, it does, because we've all experienced it. And so get excited about So he wrote the article, nothing happened. He, you know, he was annoyed. It was like a gnat flying at him, but he was so powerful that he was just going to continue what he was doing. Basically what he was doing was running a Ponzi scheme. 
So I'll real quick try to explain what a Ponzi scheme is <laughs> in my in my limited um, I'm not a stockbroker um, knowledge. So basically, I'm going to tell you that let's say I'm I have these stocks and you're going to all give me a hundred like ten people give me a hundred dollars. So I'm going to keep that money and then I'm going to tell ten more people to give me a hundred dollars and I'm going to use the money from the other 10 people to start paying you dividends. And I'm, I'm never going to actually have all that money in reserve that people keep giving me. I'm going to slowly pay out dividends based on all the new money that comes in. But I never held on to the old money because that's how you live the lifestyle of the billionaire that you live. Now, what's really interesting is in this Bernie Madoff, in this Bernie Madoff story, he had a wife and he had two sons. And the interview, the secretary of Bernie Madoff, and she just loved the two sons and truly, truly believes that these two sons had no idea what their father was doing. And they, there was two sides to his office. He had a legit side where he was doing legit securities. And then he had what was like the bottom floor where everything was all shady and he was just had all his shady doings going on there. So he had like two gigs. So they usually will have something legit going on, but then they always have the shady underbelly. And you got to have something legit so that no one snips you out. But what's really interesting is there was this stockbroker, and he starts crunching numbers and looking at what was going on with the stocks that, you know, Bernie made off the, the portfolio that he had. And he was like, you know what? He's running a Ponzi scheme. And the guy started like presenting all this stuff and going to every government agency that he could think of. Does this sound familiar, everyone? He was going to the Securities and Exchange Commission. Now I know if my dad was still working there at the time, they would have busted this guy. But my dad had uh, retired in 1995. And so, um, boy, the Securities and Exchange Commission really drops the ball. This guy does all this work and he shows them how he believes that Bernie Madoff is running a Ponzi scheme. But because Bernie Madoff is just so well revered, they're like, oh, there's no way he could be doing something. This this is just absurd. And the guy kept running reports, doing the math, because numbers don't lie. And he just had all the evidence and he was consistently ignored, probably called a conspiracy theorist. And he just, he knew, he knew he was right. He knew that there was this malfeasance going on. And he even went to this other stockbroker that basically had like the stocks of some of the old money out of Europe because those people were investing through this guy, through Bernie Madoff. And he said to him, well, what would you do if I'm right? And he said, I lose everything. And he's like, well, you need to sell it now and come with our company because you know, we're legit, but no one would believe this guy. And for eight years, this guy keeps filing these complaints with the Securities and Exchange Commission and every agency under the sun, and everyone just thought he was crazy, and there's no way Bernie Madoff is running a Ponzi scheme. But, you know, mighty men fall, and he was doing something dirty, and his day of reckoning came. And when he fell, he fell hard, and he fell pretty much in one day. 
in one day, it all comes crashing down. And so anybody who is listening, who is a dirty guardian or lawyer or judge, this is your warning. In one day, it all comes crashing down. And history is always repeating repeating itself. You can go back through time. It always repeats itself. And you mighty men fall. And we're just sitting back and we're waiting and we're watching because it got really bad for Bernie Madoff. Uh, His sons were disgusted. And it kind of reminded me, when I saw this part in the documentary, it really reminded me, not like this is not Bible story. This is not like we're going to go into the Bible preaching, but this is a a Bible story that you just got to hear. There was this evil king, Zedekiah, and this you can read in Jeremiah 39. And right before he was blinded, they killed his sons. I mean, this is terrible. Like, can you imagine, like, you are taken into captivity because you were this terrible king and what was done to him right before he lost his sight they killed his sons and he had and I mean it just made me think of the same thing when I heard what happened to Bernie Madoff because Bernie Madoff goes to jail I mean he has found out he is I mean he is just scum I I mean he destroyed so many people's lives and the one son ends up committing suicide because he's just so distraught that his father had done this. I mean, and what a, and I do believe that Bernie, as narcissistic as he was, did he, he did love his sons. And to see that one committed suicide and the other one died of cancer. And Bernie Madoff is so, is just so, everyone is so disgusted by him. His crew made it remain, still sit in the office of a lawyer because no one will even give this man a proper burial. This is somebody who for 40 years, for 40 years, lived high on the hog and got away with all his crimes. But his day came. Now, what about the Securities and Exchange Commission? They had been warned for eight years by someone who they thought was crazy and was a conspiracy theorist. Oh, my goodness, now they're having to testify before Congress and, you know, everything. And they basically look like a bunch of idiots. I mean, how many of us have gone to every sort of agency under the sun and filed our reports and our complaints and no one cares to be encouraged that you are no different than this person who everyone thought was just a conspiracy theorist? filing his complaints with the Securities and Exchange Commission for eight years. See, what happened was he laid the foundation for a lot of heads to roll, and roll they did. So I want to encourage you out there, keep filing all these complaints. And I know I know they're not doing anything. I just filed one last week with the DOJ, and I have my reject letter. I know, I know. But you know what? It's it's a paper trail. And just like the American Revolution started really the ideology 100 years before it even happened, when you go into the Oliver Cromwell story, so too our revolution. Someday we're going to make a difference and we will be heard. Just like this man who was basically trying to turn in Bernie Madoff. 
It is one of the best documentaries. I really encourage you all to watch this documentary on Netflix with Bernie Madoff. I also love the Alex Murdoch one. I mean, the guy, these are just things that you just can't stop watching. You just watch these prominent people fall, and it's because they're so corrupt and they're just so awful. And, um, you know, speaking of falling, there is recently, okay, everyone knows Chester County, Pennsylvania. That is home of the abuse of Genevieve Bush. I had just found this one out. It's, I guess, I didn't know this. It is the wealthiest county in the state of Pennsylvania. And they love to guardianize the wealthy there in Chester County. It is a hotbed for corruption. And we have heard about it so many times. And it's right next to Montgomery County where I got to experience their hotbed of corruption. Anyway, I don't know if everyone saw this. They had a jail and this murderer this got loose. And he's on the loose. And so what is his? The county commissioner, Eric Rowe, he did a four-minute uh, press release. And, you know, everyone listening, when you're so corrupt and you don't do something, here comes your press release. Because his press release was, Official, officials failed us. It's a national embarrassment. That's his quote. And basically, in Chester County, they sure know how to keep mom and dad locked up really good, under lock and key. They will even make you pay for a sheriff to sit there and watch you visit with your mother, as Mary Bush has testified numerous times on this show. So they're putting their resources into that sort of thing because it makes them money. But they can't keep an eye on the murderer that they are supposed to be guarding. So to this day right now, there is this murderer on the loose. It's made national news and for shame, Chester County, Pennsylvania, for shame. Speaking about Pennsylvania, we have a listening session. So we're going to have a positive thought about that. And because, remember, Mighty Men Fall, we're going to participate in this. It is, uh, you can find the information on the Facebook page of Representative Steve Malagari. So we applaud Steve Malagari for having a listening session so that he can hear about what's going on with the elderly and with guardianship. I have to think that something is going on in Pennsylvania because the whistleblower summit and Tina Payone's testimony before the Senate committee hearing talking about gag orders that they were trying to put on her. I mean, she her testimony had to roll some heads. So, hey, kudos, Tina. Thank you so much. They're having listening sessions. They're having... You know, they're under, the, they're under the microscope. What's going on? We have guardians t- getting, getting out of the business there in Montgomery County. I mean, you guys, we're making a difference. And so talking about these mighty men that fall throughout history, the tyrants of history, I want this to be an encouragement to everybody that, that they fall. And they don't always get away with their crimes. And the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And the fact that these really, really, really big deals fell, tyrant probate judge is not immune to justice. So anyway, that's kind of my my rant on Mighty Men Falling. I'd love to take some callers and see if anyone would like to comment about this. Oh, 
I see a caller at area code 301. Let's see. Area code 301, you're live and on the air. Thank you, Claude. Can you hear me? Oh, yes, Marcel. Thank you so much for calling in. I'm I'm I attempting to do my first so, I'm attempting to do my first solo show, and I'm so excited. Well, you're to doing a great job. This just well, coincided. Yes, absolutely. Yesterday, I went to a a whistleblower thing here in town. And it was in Washington, and it was, there was a whole session on the commodities and trade. So you're familiar with that because your, your father was head of SEC. Yeah. And they were talking about a whole series of new scams that are going on. Uh-oh. And that makes this so strange is that you're talking about Bernie Madoff, and all of that time that people were reporting him for that Ponzi scheme he ran, and they're saying that there's new scheme out that are targeting lonely people, and it's called a romance scam. Oh no! Yeah, it's so it was so strange. You were talking about that. I was like, wow, was she there? Yeah, and they were were just. Talking about people who are so lonely till people are approaching them from a romantic sense. You know, they don't talk to them about money initially. They don't talk to them at all about money. They talk to them about their loneliness and romance. And people are falling for it. It is sad. And And they are wiping them out. Oh, my goodness. And I'm sure that they're embarrassed and they don't want to tell anybody that this has happened and they thought they were helping somebody. So many times we think we're helping somebody or someone thinks they're helping, and they're not. They're just trying to make a buck, you know? Yes, they're just trying to make a buck. And the next thing is it hurts so bad when you think you've done the right thing and you find out that you haven't. And it's not only the money. I always tell people it's terrible that you lose the money. I understand that's horrible. But what's worse is you lose your faith in people. Yeah. Awful when you lose your faith in people because money is necessary and you need it and, and all of that I understand. But when you lose your faith in people, you're broke and you're totally alone because you don't trust anyone anymore. And that happens to a lot of people whose loved ones are taken in guardianship, definitely uh, losing trust in your government, which that's a Mm -hmm. problem. A lot of people that I know, they won't even call law enforcement because they fear retaliation. They just fear the government is against them. And that's, that's not what I want people to think. Government when run correctly, without the greed mm-hmm. and without the corruption, will work like a fine-tuned machine. The problem is the greed and the corruption that is preventing it from running the way it is supposed to run. Would you agree with that, Marcel? Absolutely, I agree with that. You know what I agree with even more when we've spoken about this in the past, Cos, is that people what? misunderstand 
and we are government, and they do to us what we allow. But it's not enough of us speaking up. We, the people, to form a more perfect union. It doesn't say the government will tell us the union. It is we, the people, we are striving to form a more perfect union, and that's what we keep forgetting. They keep doing this because we don't say enough loud enough. And we have the tools. The tools are there and in place. But we have to utilize them. Marcel, we have another caller. Good. Let's see well, let who me we go. got here. Okay. okay. All right. Take okay. I'll, I'll put you back into the listening room and press number one if you have more to say. Thank you so much for calling in. Okay. We have area code 608. Let's see. Let me get them on here. Area code 608, you're live and on the air. Hello. Hello, area code 608. Hello? Hello, Hello, area code 608. We can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Who is this? This is Angela Campbell. Oh, Angela, I didn't recognize your voice. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for calling in. What would you like to talk about? Mighty Men Falling. Yes, what a good subject. It's very encouraging. I was very encouraged by it tonight. I love that story. Um, I guess I didn't realize that there was a man that did this for eight years, that he was turning, um, you know, all nation in, because this is what happens to us. And I love how Marcel, you know, kind of was telling about this, too. We do lose hope. And our government, and our government is, you know, we are the government, and we do forget that. And these people, you know, are taking advantage. And the more that we do let this kind of thing happen, the more that they take. And it's just really sad. But I I really was so encouraged by your story tonight because I I was not aware that this gentleman did this you know, turn this information in for eight years. Do you know, Kaz, you know, just how did he finally, how did it finally, um, you know, come to be where they recognized it and acknowledged it? That's a great question. Um, I can't remember the year. I think it was like right around maybe in the early 2000s. And what happened was, Basically, I think like around 2008. Remember when there was that big housing bubble crash? Wasn't that in 2008? And everyone's homes went underwater. So what happened is all these people thought that they were invested in these stocks that Bernie Madoff held. And, you know, here and there, if people were cashing out, he he was always getting new clients. He always had the money to pay people off to cash out but he wasn't ready for everyone to cash out at once. And that's when he, when it fell apart. And so as, as the economy was crashing, everyone started to want to 
get the cash. Basically, like the Great Depression, remember when everyone was running to the banks and they wanted to withdraw their money out of the banks and the money wasn't there? It's the same thing that happened with Bernie Madoff is everyone was basically needing their money because the economy was crashing and the money wasn't there. And he was inter- these, he had, this was international. So the fact that there's supposed to be an agency that is, you know, overseeing people's finances and the securities, you know, specifically, not just the banks, but, you know, stocks and bonds and security, the fact that the government didn't do their job for 40 years, even though there was a whistleblower basically for eight years telling them, you need to investigate this, you need to investigate this, and they couldn't be bothered to investigate it. And when I think about when I go back to the um, county commissioner of Chester County saying basically it's a national embarrassment because this murderer felon got loose from their jail, you're going to be saying that again someday. A national embarrassment when it comes to light what all these judges and lawyers and guardians have done to our most vulnerable people in our society, the elderly and the disabled, and even children. It's disgusting. And it's going to come out, and it's going to be a national embarrassment. This is nothing. You let a murderer out and you're embarrassed about that, you should really be embarrassed about what's going on in your county. And, uh, and yeah, we have the power to vote these people out, and we need to pay attention. And I feel like so often that we – we worry about who's running for president and that that's basically what's going to make the big difference. And that's usually when the biggest voter turnout goes out is when it's, you know, running for president. But the real corruption, I mean, yeah, there's corruption up at that level. <laughs> We're seeing that. But the real corruption is at the local level. And, you know, I've been listening to some of Marty's throwback shows, and I hope everyone has been appreciate appreciating that we're rerunning some of them. They are so – they just – even though they were 13 years ago, they're so today. And I can remember there was one show that I was listening to, and they said, you have to get involved in your local politics because that's where you lose your rights. When you start to lose them at the local level, they just keep slipping away more and more and more. And, you know, the federal government, and they overreach and just take, 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 take. And so really getting involved in your local politics, and yet so many of us don't, go out and vote in those local in those local elections and we need to we need to pay attention you know who's running for school board who's running to be your older person who's running to be your you know your county commissioners who's running to be judge who's running you know who's running to be sheriff who's running to be the coroner who's running you know mayors you need to pay attention to these small small elections and your state senators and your state legislation because we still need to have you know power in the states and when we're not paying attention to these smaller elections but we're only worried about the presidential election we're not we're we're giving something away you know that's how that's how i feel I think you're right, because we do have to pay attention to what's going on in our own neighborhood so that we, you know, are able to have that power to change. Um, I think when we we try, you know, to go 
above sometimes, like you said, and we're just focused on who's going to be the president, we do lose sight of that. And we need to watch our neighborhoods because that's where our strength is. It's like, you know, like they say um, a family that is divided doesn't stand. You know, if we are divided in our communities, we need to get together with our communities and we need to stand up and fight for those. So I I totally agree with that. I think that's a very good point. I do I do believe as community we need to support one another. I have like I don't know, this is just like a little off story, but I feel it makes sense about community. So I had a son who was doing a youth sport and there were some caddy moms that were at the youth, at, you know, in the youth, and this was like 20 years ago. And it was really disgusting. I was like, oh my gosh, like all of our children are growing up together. Why are we, like, we should be not acting like we're in high school. Like we shouldn't be a bunch of caddy moms and, you know, we should be supporting it, everybody. And so I, I feel like, there's too much of that still going on, like not caring really about our neighbors and who's who's around us and that, you know, we're just tearing people down. And when we do that, we're we're losing our community. We can't be tearing people down left and right for the dumbest reasons, you know. We have to look for the good in, in people and work as a community because I feel – once we start to come together more as a community in our smaller communities, people aren't going to be getting away with these like crimes against humanity that we're all seeing going on in the courts. And, you know, I gotta, I gotta say, I, I don't know if anyone read the article at NASCA that they just posted. This just made me sick. Um, Libra Max, so her, her father was a great artist. They put the biggest gag order on her. She can't even share her court documents. She can't, I mean, she can't talk about anything or they're going to sanction her. And basically it was the judge basically is protecting, the judge is protecting herself by, you know, trying to put all these gag orders on people. And what, what does this have to do with, like, protecting anybody that you have a gag order that you can't, tell what someone did wrong well it looks like she has enough money and she was able to hire some big time lawyers and it's going to be real interesting and i hope it goes her way and that this i mean judges like this need to be called out you can't be putting gag orders on people so that they can't what you're doing that is inhumane in your court in your courtrooms i mean there's too much of it going on and you, you know, years ago you would that judge would look bad in doing that. I mean, everybody knows if you're going to put a gag order on, it means that you're hiding something. Something is exactly. that wrong, and it, it just um, I, I don't know. Our country has not. It's it isn't. It's not realizing what good is and what evil is and what we need to stop and we we definitely need to stop this everybody needs to stand up and said this is enough no we're not going to do this in, anymore mm-hmm. we're not going to tell you just to take away our freedoms and our liberty um we we let a little bit here then a little bit here and then we're at where we are in the country because we've let too much go. 
Yeah, and so many people think that we're the conspiracy theorists. It's kind of like, you know, kind of like we're in the Oliver Cromwell phase, you know, 100 years later, they have an American revolution. It's that people were complaining about their loss of freedoms, and it builds and builds and builds. And we don't want to get to that point. We don't need revolution. We need solution. And, you know, that that's, unfortunately, it feels like that's we're on the ground floor of something ugly, something ugly on a global basis, and we're calling it out. That is that is for that is for darn sure. People are, I mean, unbelievable. I actually Googled gag order. And you want to know the only time that it's legal to do a gag order and the fact that these probate judges can do it doesn't make any sense. A gag order is only legal when there's going to be a jury trial, jury trial. And mm-hmm. it would in some way, yeah, and it would in some way sway a juror. For example, some of like the, you know, the Alex Murdaugh one. I'm sure there was stuff that people couldn't talk about because they didn't want to have the jury poll swayed. There's that murderer guy out in um, uh, Oregon, and he killed the four or allegedly killed the four college students. And there's huge yeah. gag orders on that one because it's so sensationalized right now that, you know, where are you going to find a jury that's not tainted? That is the only time that a judge is supposed to impose a gag order, not don't tell what I'm doing, that I'm apporting a guardian who's going to over-medicate your loved one and rob your estate and block you from visiting them and I'm going to put them in hospice and send them to an early grave. Don't tell that. Come on. That is that has nothing to do with the jury pool. So this needs to stop. We need to have, like, I... I I don't even know what kind of movement needs to happen. The fact that the gag order needs to be used as what the gag order is supposed to be used because you're treading on the First Amendment freedoms when you're basically saying you can't talk about what I'm doing bad. I mean, wow, the criminal just, what a, what a, what a win for the criminals to have that in place, isn't it? You know, and and the thing is, why is it used in the family court? It, it's happening more and more in family court, and it's so inappropriate, like you said, in the family court. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, don't tell, don't tell anybody that you know uh-huh. I'm going to be your um, loved one. Yeah, it sounds like what a child molester says to a child, don't tell, don't tell. I mean, what's the difference? You're committing a crime, and you don't want people to tell, and you're using the courts to do it. Because the jury, that gag order is for not tainting a jury. No probate court having a jury. I haven't heard of one, you know, and it should. It, it should. should. So this kind of stuff goes mm-hmm. before a jury of our peers. But, you know, if you go back into the um, American Revolution, that was part of what they were really mad about. They weren't allowed jury trials before 1776 because English law was imposing all this stuff on them. And they had no recourse. So we're kind of seeing the, kind of seeing the same thing. Well, I made this a short one, and I have about 15 minutes left. So I thought... Since my dad was um, an investigator, I'm going to tell a fun story. Since Marcel had 
they had brought this up with the Securities and Exchange Commission. So here's a fun little story because we want to end on a happy note. All right, there's a guy named Tommy Quinn. My dad, my dad hunted, my dad hunted Tommy Quinn down his his whole, you know, that was like his arch nemesis. He is just hunting Tommy Quinn down. And while I tell you this story, I want you to realize there are government there are government investigators that will do the job and get the job done. You keep putting those complaints in because someday the right investigator, like my dad was, is going to pick up your complaint and they're going to run with it. So here's the story. So he was going after Tommy Quinn his whole life. And Tommy Quinn was, like, hiding out in France, and he's doing all this securities fraud and, you know, enriching himself while ripping people off kind of stuff. And you can all Google this. Anyway, before he retired, he had um, Tommy Quinn on a – if you fly – there's, like, a list. If you fly into the United States and your name's on this list, you're going to be arrested right away. So I'm going to back one story. This is before he retired. They get – a they – he was in the Chicago office. They get a, a notification that Tommy Quinn is flying into O'Hare. So all the agents, now this is back in like late 80s, early 90s. So remember the technology is just different than back then. So all the agents come in and they're, you know, they have the flight. You know how like sometimes when you're going to the airline or the airport and they're flying around, oh, we can't land yet. And they're flying around the airport for like 20 minutes because they can't land. So they did yeah. this to this plane. They're like, keep them up there. We're getting all the agents over to O'Hare. So they're keeping the plane up in the air because a man named Tommy Quinn is on that airplane. And so finally they land. Now, you know, O'Hare, they have where all the big, you can like walk right out and you're in the terminals and stuff. What they did was they had this plane land on a different runway where they were going to have to take a shuttle into the terminal area because they just said, you know, that's how they're going to have to land. And they had all the agents, and they knew what seat this Tommy Quinn was going to be in, and they were going to ID him. Well, it turns out the guy just had the same name. His name was Tommy Quinn. This guy, unless he's going to listen to this podcast right now, which I doubt, has no idea that his flight was delayed and circled O'Hare and he had to land and not be at the terminal because he had the same name as this guy who was a bad guy who was coming into the United States. But then here's the funny story. So my dad, he retired in 95 and he had Tommy Quinn's name is still on this list. And fast forward to 2011 and there is um, Washington or Wall Street, Wall Street Journal, there's two different articles on this. You can Google Tommy Quinn and Stanley Witten and read these articles. So my dad had this reporter from the Wall Street Journal that was like his guy that he'd always talk to. And Tommy Quinn, his mom was dying. So he snuck into the United States and he got busted because my dad had put the paperwork through that he would be arrested. And so the first, the first, um, the first time that they caught him. The reporter calls my dad, and he's like, hey, they got your man. They got your man. You know, this is like my, the guy that my dad is, like, trying to catch all these years. And he's like, tell me all about it. So my dad off the top of his head talking about Tommy Quinn and, you know, everything that was going on. Anyway, Tommy Quinn goes to trial for these crimes. And 
my dad is dying at the same time and they have the, they have the, the trial and Tommy is found guilty. So my dad's in hospice and we had a good hospice, thank God. Um, so we didn't have we don't have to go and have a horror story on portrayed by hospice. There are some good ones out there, not many, but thank God we had a good one. Anyway, the hospice workers were like, it's like he's hanging on. It's like he's waiting for something, and we couldn't figure out what is my dad hanging on for. Like, you know, he's in this coma, but he's like having this awareness. I, it's just, it was just something. And they're like, he's hanging on. So he had gone six days without food or water and he was in this coma, but he was still, they're like, we've never seen something like this, but it's like there's some unfinished business in his life and he can't move on. And then it hit me. I'm like Quinn trial. So I'm making phone calls and I'm trying to get a hold of someone with the securities and exchange commission. I'm like, Hey, I'm Stanley Witten's daughter. And I, and my dad, and you know, I tell him the whole story. He's just, you know, can't pass away because, he has to know, did he get his guy? And they're like, he got his guy. I'm going to try not to cry. He got his guy. So Tommy Quinn was sentenced, and we were able to tell my father that you got your man, the guy that my dad hunted down his whole career, went to jail. And my dad was able to pass away a few hours later after he had found out that, yes, indeed, his career of hunting down these bad guys he finally got his man, and he was able to rest in peace. So that is my fun Securities and Exchange Commission investigator story. There are people who do care about their jobs. They are working for the government, and they want to catch the bad guy, and they are out there. So I want to encourage everybody to continue to use the legislative process to file all your complaints with every agency that you can, that we will do it by the law, and I believe that there is going to be a day of reckoning, that these mighty men will fall, these little tyrants that have wrecked havoc all over the world, little little spots everywhere that they've just destroyed people. Their day is coming, and they are just going to be the scum of the earth. What do you think, Angela? We have just a few minutes left. How would I do for my first solo, my first solo show? Would Marty be proud? Marty would be extremely proud, and I want to tell you that story with your dad, that is the most touching, most encouraging, and inspiring story ever. It makes me cry. How beautiful to end with that, and what a perfect story for um, for talking about these mighty men are going to fall, this mighty Tom, he fell, and your dad got to see it. What a, what a legacy your father has left, and what an awesome man your father was. Wow. That was a beautiful story. Thank you. Yeah. And I have Marcel, Marcel back on. Marcel, can you yeah. hear me? She's back on. I can hear you. I can hear both of you. I just wanted to tell you that is a wonderful story because there's so many people in the government and they're in the military and they really believe in what they're doing. They aren't corrupt. They aren't part of some big, terrible, super state thing. They're just good people trying to do the best they can. And I think people yep. need to remember 
for that. But you know what? I was just thinking, and tell me what the two of you are thinking right now. You know, it would be great if we could be kind of a resource that could list different agencies that people could make the complaint to. I think that's a great idea. Well, why don't we name a few? We have a few minutes left. Let's go ahead and name some of them. This is going to be basically the complaints because I am more, myself and Angela are more versed in complaining about guardianship. These are all Mm -hmm. different agencies. Every state is different, so you're going to want to know your state laws. Um, I did get this information from um, Senator Tammy Baldwin. Always make sure that when you make your complaints, don't just go at the state level, go at the federal level. One of the most powerful complaints that we ever made um, in our case was when we filed Medicaid, Medicaid and Medicare fraud because that is a federal agency and they do not like getting ripped off. And so if you can figure out how they are ripping off Medicare or Medicaid, that usually gets handed over to the state attorney general office. You also want to file with your state attorney general office. They usually have some um, different agencies that um, do go with elder abuse. And you also, not just the elder abuse that you want to file, you want to file judicial corruption as well. You want to file against every license that you can. If there's a lawyer, you want to file against his bar license. If there's any doctors or nurses, you want to file against their license. You can also, um, nursing home um, operators, they have to have a license. You want to file on the nursing home operator license. You can file with the um, local ombudsman. You can file with adult protective services, child protective services. You can file with the Department of Justice. You can file with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Those are the DOJ and the FBI. If you do um, think there are some securities fraud and some money has been ripped off, go and file with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Another, Another powerful entity to file with is you believe and you can prove that maybe the guardian um, didn't uh, claim all their taxes correctly or that any sort of uh, money was um, taken and not accounted for properly, you want to file with the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS. You also want to file with Homeland Security if you believe that this is um, in a way of a terroristic um, attack on your loved one, and many people do believe that they are being attacked terroristically, you want to file with the Homeland Security. You want to file with any banking agency that you can think of, any banks that could be involved. You want to file with the, um, what is that called, the FDIC. There are ways Mm -hmm. to file whistleblower things there. You also want to file complaints with all your state senators, and there should be committees in every state that are connected to elderly or with judicial corruption. You won't, don't want to just go, I learned this when I went to the whistleblower summit, you don't want to just go after the um, committees for the elderly and, and, um, that, and like disability rights. You also want to file judicial corruption. So you, de- you definitely have to do both. So you want to find who are on the different committees that are with your state, your local state government, and then you want to go 
to the federal, your federal um, House of Representatives and your state senators. You don't have to just file in your state. If you find that there are committee members that are um, in other states, you can definitely let them know and file there. And Marcel, while you are on here, what are the protections that are insured to every person who with all good intention, believe that everything that they have filed is true to their best knowledge. That is considered whistleblower. Are they protected when they file all these complaints? I'm going to send you some paperwork today, um, later this evening or tomorrow morning, and it is a petition um, for people to sign on to if you're with an organization, so NASCA is definitely an organization, that will protect whistleblowers because the problem with whistleblower laws are they're constantly being challenged and changed. So the only way you can keep them updated is to constantly ask for them because um, it is a natural for people to want laws that will report on them. So I wanted to tell you that there is an ombudsman now, the, the first time it's ever occurred in the last three years, and the director of that ombudsman's office is called Shanna Devine, and the co-director's name is Attorney Rebecca Jones, and you can simply call the House, the main number for the uh, House of Representatives, and they will transfer you to the office, and you need to ask them which specific um, congressmen or senators cover your complaint, and that way you'll be with the right committee because sometimes you're with the wrong committee. I would also tell you to file with um, the Office of Accountability and Whistleblowing Protection if you or your loved one are military, because that's available too, and a lot of military people get caught in this system and don't know who to reach out to. So that oh, that's is a good one. one. Absolutely. So you can call the two of them. And someone in their office will pick up and start to direct you because this becomes far too complicated if you don't know who to speak to on the Hill and they can direct you to the current members because as elections come by, the member that you were calling has other, is serving on another committee or has left Congress and you have no one to reach out to at that point. Wow, this has been a great show. We're down to a minute left. I'm just going to go over our sponsors real quick. I just want to thank you, Marcel and Angela, for calling in, and all the listeners that we have on tonight. Thank you so much. I feel very loved. These shows are brought to you by Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit. They were also brought to you by ASGA, which is the Australian Association to Stop Guardianship and Administrative Abuse, NASCA, the National Association to Stop Guardianship Abuse, and Shenanigans in the Montgomery County Facebook page. Thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful night, and we'll see you all next week. Good night. Good night. Good night.